Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Endocrine Incredible Podcast. We are back from that hiatus, and I'm so glad to be back. I've missed this. You can definitely expect quite a few more of these. Um, today, we're going to be talking about relationships, not just romantic relationships. This applies really to any relationship, that meaning family, friend, romantic partners as well, where one is affected by it, one person in a relationship is affected by diabetes. This is a great listening, in my opinion. Really, I hope you stick around. Uh, even if you don't suffer with diabetes, I think this goes for any of my podcasts. It's a great listen. Um, I think um, it gives you something to think about. Um, as always, I do give some personal experience in this podcast, and it's never meant to be to act as an encouragement for you to do the same thing. You should never change how you care for yourself based on what you heard on the internet, um, particularly medically. This is not supposed to be taken as medical advice but rather intended to act as a stepping point of and a keyhole into my world so that it might give you some stuff to think about that being said let's get started part one is change we're going to talk about how relationships change when one person is diagnosed with diabetes and we're going to talk about how that's okay and we're going to talk about how to approach it Often, when someone is diagnosed with any chronic illness, their relationships with other people change. At its surface, turmoil might seem the symptom of a referring relationship, but when topics like these are able to be discussed, it's rather a symptom of a relationship that's especially strong. I dealt with a shifting relationship, even absent of diabetes, but that diagnosis changed the field. My mom was in prison when I was diagnosed with diabetes, so when she got back, there was a responsibility that went adrift. When I was diagnosed, a large portion of responsibility relating to my diabetes obviously fell on me. So when I got someone who could help, uh, there was a lingering feeling that I needed to take care of myself. So I rejected pretty much any help. This feeling isn't isolated to prolonged periods of lonesomeness, though. And I know that, I know that, that this feeling isn't just mine. Even today, I struggle with accepting help. And I know it's not just me. So... Many people struggle to accept help, and help is especially important when you're living with a chronic illness. Physically, because especially with diabetes, there's a lot to keep up with, and it's easy to slip up or to not be able to keep up because your blood sugar is a little out of whack. Mentally, because all of these things you're juggling while uh, coming to terms with the fact that your body's not totally working the way it's you know traditionally supposed to work, and that can be overwhelming, and having someone to share that burden with is, is so important. Otherwise, again, it's it's overwhelming. I'm not going to claim that I'm perfect in this aspect. In fact, I'm probably worse than most, but this reflection, I think, it's important for everyone to hear. Relationships change, and almost always, I'd say, change is for the better if you come out together. It's an experience in hardship, and it tests what your relationship can endure. And again, when you feel comfortable enough to trust someone else to help, especially with medical needs, it demonstrates a pretty strong bond. When you or someone you care about is diagnosed with diabetes, you can expect a few things to change. After the dust has settled, you might notice some negative feelings even, normally in relationships that aren't parent-child, because those relationships, uh, you're used to the child relying on the parent and asking favors of the parent. So that aspect doesn't normally change. Um, But of course, it's possible. Again, like for me, I wasn't directly relying and like asking my mom like uh, for things on a normal basis like most children would. So when I was diagnosed, I didn't quite have that that comfort and that that um, 
you know that that experience so i'll probably use that as the backbone for most of the experience here but again normally when a relationship isn't used to one party asking another for favors or being asked of favors there could be feelings of guilt hesitancy and sometimes even a bit of anger i just want to stress that no feeling is inherently bad at least not in my opinion uh, what makes an emotion bad is a failure to recognize that it isn't appropriate or a failure to talk about those feelings if they are appropriate. We can't really control our emotions at, at their base. They're fundamentally physiological, but we can control how we deal with them. This sounds like a drawn out cliche, but it's, it's true. Really, it is because when we feel sad or angry or guilty, it's easy to internalize that or, or on the opposite spectrum, it's easy to lash out and it's difficult to recognize the bad habits that we have when dealing with our emotions because it's not often one consistent way. I've dealt with both internalizing feelings and lashing out and there's no one answer to my problems more specific than reflection. To stop, recognize that I am feeling some emotion and consciously consider how I can push through a situation. And so before I move on, I want to encourage you the next time you're feeling sad or angry to let yourself to let yourself feel sad and angry but then also consider your what what you can do to make it better that way you can really push through your sadness and anger which is so important to feel that sadness or anger but of course you don't want to stay there so in the context of relationships it's important to recognize your own emotions and it's also important to consider those of anyone who cares about you now that doesn't mean not inconveniencing them i know that is a common thing like you'll refuse to ask for help because you don't want to inconvenience the thing the people that you care about that's absolutely not what i need to say when i say to consider their emotions obviously the comfort of someone you care about is going to be important to you but you have to recognize that they care about you as much as you care about them and if not then that's not a very healthy relationship just think if you're concerned with inconveniencing them on one occasion uh, how do you think how concerned do you think they are with how much you inconvenience yourself on a regular basis out of concern for their comfort? Moral of the story, relationships are only relationships when you allow care to be reciprocated. On the flip side of the coin, there are those who care about someone living with diabetes. I think the issue on this side of the spectrum is either expecting nothing to change or expecting the wrong type of change. You can't ignore that something's changed. That can make someone feel unseen and even disrespected and, and hurt. But also, you shouldn't force something to change. You shouldn't not offer them dessert because you're concerned with how it might, how it might affect them or insist that you help them with something they never asked for help with. The best thing you can do and the, and the best thing you should do is ask questions, listen, and be responsive to what they feel comfortable with. You're going to be concerned with how they're doing, and that's fine. Great, actually. But if you're concerned with how they're doing, ask them how they're doing. Make them feel comfortable enough to tell you. Your relationship is going to change, but it's up to the people involved to make sure it changes in the best way possible. Part two is responsibility. This part of the podcast is definitely more directed to people who aren't living with diabetes, but instead care about someone who's living with diabetes. So if that describes you, this is a pretty great section. If it doesn't, there's definitely still a lot you can take.
blood sugar checks, infusion site changes, low snacks, DKA scares, needles. There's a lot to handle when you're living with diabetes. In anyone's life, naturally, the tasks that come with the well-being of a person are delegated amongst the group of people that are in their lives. Even absent of diabetes, your doctor handles the nitty-gritty medical stuff, your dentist handles your teeth, your, if you have a counselor, they help you to, to work through your life and, and your emotional needs. And your, your emotional and, and social well-being is upheld by your friends and family. There's an unspoken responsibility among those people, usually unspoken, particularly even though you didn't ask, it's a responsibility assigned to friends and family to talk with you and to uphold the social needs and to care about you. There are super important parts about living that we don't second guess to assign to other people. Um, you know, assign the responsibility of that, of those parts of your life to other people. Management of diabetes is one of the most important parts of a person's well-being. If you don't feel good physically, you're not going to feel good uh, at all in any aspect. The person can't safely take care of their diabetes alone, at least not forever. There may be a time when they struggle to drink a juice box and need some help, and there will almost definitely be a time when managing their diabetes alone just it gets overwhelming and they'll feel so isolated and they will have a breakdown and they need someone there now they don't need 24 7 assistance absolutely not but they're going to need a crutch now and again there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing even inherently related to diabetes about that everyone needs a crutch every once in a while but what often goes unrecognized is that people living with diabetes will have different emotional needs than most people i mean of course everyone has different emotional needs but the emotional needs of a diabetic will often be harder to understand especially if you're not diabetic. Professionals who specialize in mental health even will go through years of training to understand, in some capacity to understand, people who think and experience things different than them. So it's no surprise that people who care for someone with diabetes often will fail to do this or aren't able to do this because they're not prompted to and they don't know how. But when they do, the difference is so incredible to feel understood even in just one as this one aspect of, of diabetes it's 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 feeling seen feeling validated if you're not living with diabetes you won't fully understand what a diabetic is going through or even if you do have diabetic diabetes you you can't there's differences from person to person that can totally change someone's experience with it those differences in circumstances maybe age and support when you were diagnosed or your community or maybe just the unrelated weight that is on a person's shoulders can make their experience different so in any aspect of your life you can't fully ever understand someone because you aren't fully them you have to realize that you won't fully understand them but you don't have to you have to be willing to take up some responsibility that you wouldn't in a relationship with someone else maybe that's checking in more often and or carrying juice in your bag or asking questions or just being there that's the case with any relationship you have to change the things you do to consider the other person but when they're living with diabetes it's especially important because diabetics are more likely to struggle with mental health and more likely to need urgent care the point is it's your responsibility to consider what what the person you're caring for needs Another important aspect to remember, though, is that you shouldn't expect to be able to meet all of those needs. Often people are struggling with things that you can't deal with. 
maybe they're uh, experienced trauma or they're reserved, which I'll get into in the next part of this podcast. But while you have a responsibility to consider what the other person needs, it is absolutely not your responsibility to sacrifice your own well-being for the well-being of the person you care about. There's a fine line between inconveniencing yourself for another person, which I find to be honorable, and uh, sacrificing your own well-being. If you recognize that the person you care about has needs that you can't meet or that you don't feel comfortable meeting or you just can't safely meet, then you need to have a conversation with them about what you've observed and what they might need because they might need professional help. And you risking your own well-being in this scenario likely won't help either of you. And if it does even somehow help the other person, you'll likely have dug yourself in a, in a hole and now you need help out of it. And at the end of the day, you are in a relationship, whether that be romantic or familial or just a friendship. The relationship success is dependent on the happiness of all the people involved. It's not going to end well if you keep playing seesaw with everyone's well-being. Your responsibility, if you truly care about someone, is to be there and to listen and to respond and do what you can. It's their responsibility to communicate with you, and it's your responsibility to make them comfortable enough to. Part three is reservation. Here we're going to talk about how people have different experiences with their diagnosis and how it's important to be sensitive about that so they can learn to feel comfortable talking about it. If you can provide someone with the space to feel comfortable to talk about things they're never comfortable talking about, you've done the best you can do as a friend, a partner, or family member. going to go back to that example with my mom so again i was diagnosed when my mom was in prison so a big part of my the management of my diagnosis of my diabetes was in my hands was delegated to me and so i had to learn how to to manage it uh, primarily with the help of the internet now I, I did have my grandma which was awesome and she helped a lot but that's again more of that feeling of of not being understood so eventually i felt that i couldn't get help because I felt like nobody could help because I thought nobody understood what I needed. Even from other diabetics, I felt they didn't go through what I went through. It was awesome when I when I started talking to other, other diabetics uh, and other people who could relate to me on those topics of di- diabetes specifically. But even those, those things that are, are, are diabetic things, <laughs> those can be affected by circumstance. So th- I think that's a big issue with me right? I thought for some reason that nobody could help me if they didn't understand me. And to an extent, I'd say that's even true, right? Like you you can't just pick up a stranger off the street and expect them to be your therapist, but people can help you without totally understanding you. And I didn't realize that. They just have to be willing to learn. So from the standpoint of someone who cares for someone with diabetes, the person will likely want you to understand, but they'll be hesitant to teach you because you don't. Obviously, that's a bit of a dilemma there. How can they expect you to know something you haven't experienced or haven't been taught? And how do they expect you to be sensitive of that? But particularly if the circumstances surrounding their diagnosis didn't involve you, or if those circumstances were particularly dramatic, they're going to be reserved. uh, And you should expect that. If they're not, that's great. That's awesome. But often you'll need patience and a little bit of persistence. Of course, 
don't push them. <laughs> That's not what I mean by persistence, but be there, be persistent in, in, in your support and offer help. And just try to try your very best to learn as much as you can to consider what it is they're going through and have been through. And to understand that even if you've been through a similar experience, if you've read a lot about diabetes, or even if you already know someone who's living with the illness and uh, a personal relationship, they're not the same person. They, they're not that same, that same person that the diabetes handbook described. They're going to have different comforts and discomforts and you need to be willing to learn from the source, from the person whom you want to get to understand. So back to that example, a few years later, my mom was actually diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. It's pretty crazy, and it definitely sparked some of my intellectual curiosity, but at the same time, it made me a little uneasy. Now, I wasn't unhappy or angry or sad. Uh, I mean, sad outside of the extent you know that I was sad that my mom was... Uh, in the hospital and she she was sick um but outside of that overall uh it it was really not that that not very many negative feelings but definitely conflicted feelings um on one hand i felt good that maybe we could relate a bit more on this topic but on the other i didn't i i had I knew I should have waited until you got into the restroom. It, it's pretty crazy, and it definitely sparked some of my intellectual curiosity, but at the same time, it made me a little uneasy. Now, I wasn't unhappy or angry or sad or any of that, so, uh, uh, you know, I mean, sad outside of the extent that I was sad that my mom was sick and sad that she was in the hospital, but, but overall, I wasn't. I wasn't, there were no negative feelings around the fact that she had diabetes now. Um, of, of course, outside the normal disappointment um, and sadness for her, but there were definitely some conflicted feelings because on one hand, it felt good that maybe we could relate more on, on a topic, but on the other hand, I didn't want, I, I felt uncomfortable with the fact that she might feel she's been through what I've been through. Um, luckily that didn't happen. I feel confident that she recognizes that our experiences are totally different and that worked out for the better, I think, but you can probably see the point I'm trying to make here and how that could potentially cause issues. There were so many circumstances that differed here, despite the fact we both got the same diagnosis, right? On paper, like... <laughs> we were different ages different support systems we had different support systems there were we were in different environments you know i didn't get the chance to see an endocrinologist for, for quite a long time after i was diagnosed and so clearly we went through very different experiences so the, a failure to recognize that difference can be harmful uh it's important to recognize that people are more than that three-word diagnosis and often that diagnosis is tied to other things. You might think if you if you're you haven't gotten a diagnosis that's serious, you you'd see a diabetes diagnosis means that you have diabetes, but it means more than that. It means that you have it means everything that surrounded that all all of those emotions and those feelings that you had when you were diagnosed. That's what that diagnosis means. It doesn't mean yeah, I mean it means that you have you got diabetes, but it also means everything that is correlated with that as well. Luckily, 
if you have something in common, that's a great place to make them feel comfortable to talk. But also, it's important to allow them to talk about their individual experience and recognize that they're their own person. They're going to have different experiences. Um, and they, you shouldn't expect them to to respond to their circumstances the same way you responded to your diagnosis. Because while you might have the same diagnosis, you definitely have different circumstances. Um, one example of this, I think, is that people can be... One example of this, I think, is that... One example of this, I think, is that people can be uncomfortable to talk about it, their diabetes if they feel that it's not totally under control. Encouraging them to talk about that, maybe by talking about some things that aren't perfect about yourself, but that you're working on, can make them feel more comfortable about talking about, uh, with talking about it, their diabetes. I find that the people who are most reserved, actually, are, are, are the people who can most benefit from talking about that, that thing they're reserved about. Again, I'll stress that you shouldn't push them, but talking to them is that first step. Often over time, talking about more and more personal things is the process to making someone feel comfortable. And also, making the first move to talk about something personal almost always makes the other person comfortable, or at least more comfortable. It's like, if they can see you as more human, then they're less afraid to share the things about themselves that are imperfect. It's going to be a process for sure. And sometimes that will be a longer process uh, than expected. But again, patience and persistence will allow you to grow that relationship and will allow them to feel more comfortable with talking to you because you didn't give up. You were comfortable. You, you were willing to talk to them even when they weren't willing to talk to you. And that alone can make someone feel so much more comfortable and so much more willing to open, about, open up about the things that they so desperately need to open up about. Incredible Podcast is a product of Endorph Incredible, a nonprofit organization that focuses on spreading awareness of diabetes. You can find out more about Endorph Incredible at endorphincredible.org. That's E N D O C R I N C R E D I B L E.org. Donations to Endorph Incredible are greatly appreciated and help fund projects like this one. You can make a donation at endorphincredible.org forward slash donate. Thank you.